the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Uh, we sure hope you enjoyed Royals Who Died Ridiculous Deaths Part 1 because this is Part 2. So <laughs> this is Part 2 of a continuing series. So this is like Part 1, Part 2, right? Is this going to be like idiomatic for the people? Yeah, well, it'll be like a ongoing series, an occasional ongoing series. <laughs> series. Yes, indeed. <laughs> That's Noel Brown. I'm Ben Hello. Bolin. Shout out, shout out to our super producer and research associate, uh, Mr. Max Williams. Shout out to my tiny cup of espresso, too. I, I like it. Say. It I is like a little cup, and it makes me look powerful. It's very just so. You it makes know. my hands look huge. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, as as we said previously, uh, we are going to be taking the next week off to hang with some loved ones, get some R and R, um, and probably probably do some more research. Honestly, I'm really I'm really hyped about a uh, an upcoming episode called Leaf Blower: The Rise of a Supervillain. Uh, <laughs> The reckoning, <laughs> the reckoning, <laughs> sure. Uh, Leaf Blower Part Two: The Blowing, uh, but. You know what an underappreciated use of a leaf blower is, by the way? In special effects, if you ever see in movies that part where, like, someone gets sucked into a vortex or, mm -hmm. you know, some mystical, you know, thing is afoot and their cheeks start, you know, that is usually a leaf blower pointed directly at someone's mouth. That makes sense. That uh -huh. makes sense. We should do yeah. a history of uh, Foley work as well, because oh, those yeah. guys are all geniuses. Yeah, well, because it used to be, you know, that all started, like, I guess, in radio plays and when it was all done live. And then it's sort of like 
an art that has sort of continued over the years and not become irrelevant because, you know, you can have canned, you know, sound effects. Like we, we have library subscriptions sure. here, you know, in the podcast network that we use for fiction type shows, but usually in, you know, higher production films and television, it's somebody in a booth clippity clopping coconuts together while watching the horse galloping. Or you shaking know? A, a metal sheet for that uh, mm-hmm. thunder sounds or hanging out in what's called a foley pit I love which is it. usually like a sandbox kind of situation mm-hmm. for getting footsteps there might be pebbles in there or sand or whatever it might be depending on the terrain uh, it's fascinating stuff and i had the uh, the delight once um, as part of the drawn the history of animation podcast that i did with holly fry back in the day to visit a real foley studio here in atlanta and it uh, was just a delight to see all the little trinkets and things that people like that have to amass over the years alex and matt for some of the horror stories, big shout out to 12 Ghosts of Christmas, mm-hmm. the um, Christmas-themed horror anthology of which you wrote uh, a wonderful uh, story, Ben, um, oh, for a lot of the Foley work they do and our buddy Chris Childs has done on that yes. series. Yes, Chris, if you were tuning in, um, you know, I've always said for for those sorts of shows, sound design is another character in the show, you know, in the theater of the mind that is uh, fiction audio. Uh, We're not... It can't be heavy-handed. You know, it has to be delicate. It has to serve the scene Mm -hmm. and not draw attention to itself. Otherwise, it kind of defeats the purpose, you know? Yeah, like sesame oil or saffron. A little goes a long way. Uh, And and this, uh, this is a conversation that has... Absolutely nothing to do with today's episode. We're always just yeah, it might. When the, yeah, you know, you never know. When the four of us get together, that means us and you listening at home, uh, we inevitably end up pitching each other ideas. We have some of the most zany <laughs> and off-the-rails pitch meetings. Uh, and this idea of royals who died ridiculous deaths came out of one of these conversations. You never know what we're going to end up using. Uh, one of one of the things I wanted to ask you guys as a way to get into our first example of a royal who ended life in a weird way uh, was this. If you could have any sort of animal as a pet in the world, what would it be? Do you have an automatic pick? Helper monkey. Capybara. Capybara, chill, helper monkey, useful, productive. I like it. I like it. If you're a king, it's good to be king. Uh, you can have your pick of the litter when it comes to pets and animal companions. And you'll recall, too, we've done an episode, maybe, I think maybe even more than one, on presidential pets. Some go more all in than others, you know, but let's just admit it. I mean, the president is kind of the king of America uh, for all intents and purposes. So today, uh, the subtitle of today's story or the first of of today's stories is the the king, his dog and a minky uh, to uh, to to say it in the style of you always wanted a monkey. Yeah. Yeah. Shock the monkey. Whatever, any other uh, numerous monkey references that we could pull from. Uh, we're talking about Alexander, the king of Greece, born July 20th of 1893. He reigned, long may he reign, long, eh, long-ish, no, not really actually, just a couple of years, from 1917 to 1920. We're going to see why it was uh, his reign was cut brutally short. 
He was the second son of King Constantine and Queen Sophia. Uh, he became the king uh, June 12th of 1917 when his dad uh, was forced by the Allies during World War One to give up or abdicate his throne um, and allow his country to join into the war. After Alexander's, uh, you know, uh, succession, Eleutherios, uh, Venizelos. Okay, again, we're once again doing the best we can, doing our level best as non-Greeks um, pronouncing some of these names. There's some little accent marks that I think I'm probably not doing quite right. I'm going to try it again. Eleutherios Venizelios. I think that's probably as close as I'm going to get. He became uh, a new position there in Greece, no longer the king, but the premier of Greece. And he essentially you know, was the actual ruler while Alexander was kind of just like the ruler in name or sort of more of a uh, a figurehead, you know, kind of like the queen versus the prime minister. Right. And this guy pulls Greece into the war, also pulls them into global politics in a way that um, was remarkably effective, right, in comparison to what was happening previously. He has this, he, you know, he sends his crew to the peace conference. They've got some diplomatic triumphs. They get some new territory, which every country loves. They get specifically the territories of Smyrna. And uh, that's not Smyrna, Georgia. It's a totally different Smyrna. Uh, Spelled the same, though, I think. Spelled the same. Yeah. Uh, We'll let you guess which one came first, folks. Congratulations, you got it. Uh, And then they get part of Turkey and Bulgaria, This gives Alexander the possibility, the opportunity to expand Greece even further into Anatolia. But before he is able to make that dream a reality, his monkey betrays him. That's true. As does his royal leaf blower. Yes. Who's uh, who's making an appearance in the podcast Mm. uh, as we Mm. speak. Yeah. Hear hear those dulcet tones? He's hot on the heels of the quister, man, I'm telling you. Uh, So... (laughs) Here's what happens. It's October 2nd, 1920. Alexander, who is king and is relatively young, is walking around Athens, and he's a, he's a pet guy, you know? He's got his dog, Fritz. He's also running into a monkey, and this monkey is not actually his. It is the pet monkey of a servant. Fritz, it turns out, is not a fan of monkeys, Fritz and the monkey get beefed up and they start to like, you know, they're going at each other, right? Um, it's a it's a straight on monkey dog fight. Alexander doesn't like it. He's a no. decent dude. He doesn't want to see animals fighting unnecessarily. He jumps in the midst of uh, this, this one-on-one match, this scuffle. And uh, the monkey is not holding back. He's like, you know what? I hate your dog. And if you're down with your dog, I hate you too. That's right. Rather than trying to stir the beef, Alexander's trying to squash the beef. Mm-hmm. And he uh, sustains injuries as a result. Monkey bites, not the cute kind that, that couples might do. You know, a little nibble. Uh, this is a, These are serious chomps that he receives. Uh, quite a few of them, in fact. But Alexander d- doesn't bristle at this. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, ah, it's fine. 
No big deal. There's you mess with a monkey, you get bit. That's what exactly. you Exactly. Very similar to our boy uh, in the first episode, you know, who got bit by the severed head. Yes. Uh, he's thinking, nah, this is nothing. I barely even noticed, right? So he just kind of went, went about his merry way. But, you know, again, the mouth of a human is pretty disgusting and often full of bacteria and, uh, you know, and all other sorts of nasties. Monkeys don't brush their teeth last time I checked. You so, can teach them to do it, you, but it's like could, not their could. natural thing. Not their natural state. Um, so I'm going to make a wild conjecture here that this monkey's mouth was absolutely crawling with infectious bacteria. A dirty uh, monkey mouth. A dirty, a dirty old monkey mouth. Uh, and uh, and Alexander's uh, seemingly innocuous wounds became horribly infected. Yeah, sepsis. Uh, we want to thank uh, the New York Times for a great recap of this. He is weakening. His body is failing. His pulse is becoming fainter and fainter. He's having difficulty breathing. And his doctors eventually... Keep in mind, this is one of the most important men in Greece. His doctors go, I don't know if we could save this one. And so it came to pass that on October 25th, 1920, King Alexander of Greece died. And just like our friend from episode one who died of overindulgence, who died of overeating, Alexander's death affected the political spectrum of Greece. It had oh, yeah. far-reaching consequences, just a chain of events that led to disaster in the military field. Uh, Winston Churchill eventually remarked, because Winston Churchill, right? Not a perfect dude by any means, right? Uh, definitely, he sure could turn a phrase, though. He sure could, you know? He's like, uh, Madam, tomorrow I will be sober and you'll still be ugly. That's our boy Winston. <laughs> he says stuff like that. And so he quipped, It is perhaps no exaggeration to remark that a quarter of a million persons died of this monkey's bite. Love that, yeah. Uh, once again, shout out to all the, the the UK listeners out there who who chide us on our British accents. Why do you hate and we, my cartoon accent? I love what? it. That's my point. Can I say that's the point? We we go extra cartoonish with them as not to offend any modern day Brits. Oh yeah, uh, no, l- no, no, lest no. we attempt to actually impersonate what you know they sound like to this day. So we do uh, over the top, absurd. You know, go pick a pocket or two, my love type uh, accents for that very reason. Michael, wanted to point, yeah. point point that out there again. Oh, um, also. It, we're the ones with the accents. We're aware of that. Also true. You know, correct, correct. And I, and I will say, kudos to you, Brits, British actors, for being fabulous at doing American accents, mm-hmm. while the opposite is just not the case. Uh, don't know how that works, but shots fired by me at American actors. You, you never really see them being cast as British characters. But man, I'm always shocked when I see behind the scenes interviews and I'm like, he's British? Daniel Day-Lewis the whole time? Right. Oh, man. Oh, Christian I, Bale, man. Christian, Christian Bale. Bale. Also, Keanu Reeves is a counterexample. I was wa- I was rewatching Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula, which I love. So bad. Comic book come to life, but, you know, and, and we love Keanu Reeves. He seems like a really awesome person, but uh, I know where the bastard sleeps. is just good. <laughs> no, no, that and also, like, I mean, what's it? Uh, Robin Hood, uh, Prince of Thieves. Oh, yeah. Old Kevin yeah, Costner, yeah, 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 where he yeah. just kind of drifts in and out of an already lackluster oh, British boy. accent, sometimes yeah. doesn't even bother with it. Uh, that's uh, one for the books for sure. But, yeah, indeed, Churchill got it right. This monkey bite 
really, or these monkey bites, plural, really did cause uh, a serious amount of of suffering in the country and in, in, to the tune of a quarter of a million deaths. Mm-hmm. So that's a far-reaching monkey bite right there. Yeah, he went out with a bite. Unlike our next example of ridiculous royal death, William the Conqueror, who went out with a bang. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. We talked about street names in episode one, those sort of uh, royal monikers you get. Uh, Sometimes they're very complimentary, like Alexander the Great or William the Conqueror. And sometimes they're, you know, historical disses, you know, like Tony the Middling. That's just that's just an example, which I love. Mm -hmm. If there is a Tony the Middling, I'm sorry. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm sure you came by it honestly. Uh, William the Bastard was uh, mm-hmm. was was a choice one that he had. Um, you know, usually they have kind of like a smattering of names, and then usually I imagine they'll go with the one that's the most flattering. Uh, William of Normandy, sort of the innocuous name, just sort of a descriptive. Uh, William the Conqueror, probably the one that he liked the best. William the Bastard probably was upset when people called him that. Probably yeah. one that was more you know done in hushed tones, you know. Sure. Um, and yeah, and in French, uh, let's see, we'll make Casey Pegram uh, ashamed. Guillaume le Conquerant, or Guillaume le Batard, mm-hmm. or Gu, uh, Gu, oh, sorry, Guillaume. It's Guillaume. Mm-hmm. I'm saying it right now. It's Guillaume de Normandy. Uh, he was born in 1028 in uh, Falaise, uh, Normandy, France. Uh, they're famous for their, their milk uh, and their cows, the quality of their cows, which is why I believe Normandy has really, really uh, famous crepes. They're really known for the, because of the the quality of the milk and and all that good stuff. So he was the Duke of Normandy from 1035 and then became King of England from 1066. And he was considered a very, very uh, uh, qualified and capable soldier and one of the better rulers of the Middle Ages, which is a time that was lousy with uh, with terrible rulers, absolute pills, you know, mm-hmm. that really didn't give uh, two shakes for human life. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, it's true. And he did change the course 
of England's history. He, he left this fundamental mark on both Normandy and England. He had a lot of drive and tenacity and will, and he also had a lot of luck, let's be honest. He was able to survive chaos in his youth in Normandy, and he brought this place to a, a, a remarkable state of regional power. Uh, he also supported some uh, crucial reforms to the monastic system. He made good with church leaders, you could say, uh, which furthered his influence. And he adopted a number of Anglo-Saxon institutions. Uh, he continued some trends that had begun before his time. But like I said in episode one, man, you can do a hundred good things <laughs> And if you do, if you if you have one misstep and it happens to be uh, ridiculous, then sometimes that's how history remembers you. We could go on and on about William the Conqueror, but instead of telling you about his life, let's explore his death. Now, Noel, he died after a battle, right, in 1087. That's right, Ben. And uh, you'll recall my reference to Mr. Creosote, the uh, the Monty Python character mm -hmm. who explodes uh, due to overeating. And then we had a uh, kingly uh, overindulger who didn't explode but ate himself to death in episode one, essentially, um, after, you know, uh, already overdoing it and then, you know, eating one thing too many that led to intestinal uh, rupture to some degree or at the very least digestive uh, failure um, that led to his, his untimely demise. And uh, this one doesn't involve overeating in the moment, but I think there's probably some overeating and overindulgence that preceded this event because um, William the Conqueror was known for his uh, his portly stature. We've got a couple of accounts as to what happened during this battle that led to his death. Uh, the first one uh, goes like this. William suffered uh, something along the lines of a stroke while fighting uh, in the battle. That's sort of the, like, less ridiculous version, you know? Oh, we're not going to lean on that one. Let's go with the most ridiculous version. The second story says that he was impaled by a wooden pommel, which I think is like the handle of a sword or a handle of, of, of a spear of some kind. But I believe in this case, it is the wooden pommel of his uh, saddle, mm -hmm. which I think can go from being like, you know, kind of small as in, like, you know, riding situations that we might know today, that little nub that you kind of grab onto. Yeah, it's like uh, your to, joystick. Correct, correct. Uh, two more ornate and perhaps uh, large and uh, protruding. So the story goes that he took a tumble of some kind and was impaled in the guts uh, on this, this wooden pommel, uh, and this ruptured his intestines. Mm -hmm. That didn't kill him. I didn't kill him right away. No, no. Unfortunately, it was a slow death, quite painful. We imagine he passed away as a result of these wounds, whichever story you believe, uh, on September 9th, 1087. However, fellow ridiculous historians, you may be saying, I don't know. Why should this guy make the list? That just sounds tragic. That doesn't sound ridiculous. We're here to talk about what happened after. You see, it is his funeral that makes his death so ridiculous. This comes to us from a Benedictine monk named Orderic Vitalis. Uh, his name does sound like a Harry Potter spell. We get does it. Does it not? Yeah. And uh, so he is in state. He's going to be buried. Many people come 
to see the body of the king, but his corpse has uh, bloated and his corpse has been put in a sarcophagus that's too small. His body exploded during the funeral. His bowels burst. Oof. It was the worst fart ever. Mr. Creosote style. That's, wow, Ben, you really you put some stank on that one, uh, literally. Yeah, that's why yeah. I brought up Mr. Creosote again, because our, our previous king did not, in fact, explode um, this king. You know, by this account, and the account of this particular Benedictine monk, did, in fact, explode, leading to an absolutely foul smell. I'm going to quote from the uh, the Benedictine monk's account, that the swollen bowels burst and an intolerable stench assailed the nostrils of the bystanders and the whole crowd, uh, causing the mourners to flee, to yeah. flee the stench. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, I mean, I don't know, was the lid closed at the time? Uh, was he laying there in state to be viewed? That's what I'm picturing. And then it just like, it, you know, it, it just went boom. I'm pretty sure they were forcing the body and they were like pushing it in. Yeah, just <laughs> very yikes. much. Yeah. Yikes yeah. of the highest order. So they, uh. they still, the priest, are trying to maintain some vestige of decorum. And so they continue on, or they try to, while this miasma is hitting them. And, uh, you know, this is the time where I regretfully have to mention the scientific fact that smell and taste are related. So whenever you're oh, smelling yeah. something, you're tasting a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, they, I think I mentioned once that I saw like a meme. You know, remember, I don't remember exactly where it happened, but there's this meme format where it's like Skeletor telling yes. you something unpleasant. <laughs> right. And then, and I and I go, and then he runs away. And, and this one was like, if you're smelling a fart, you're also probably, you've already tasted it. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, so these priests, you know, they're they're doing their best to do their duty and nothing can match the stench, which is why William the Conqueror conquered one last thing, his funeral. Yeah, man, he was basically like a human bomb, mm-hmm. you know, that that went off and 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 caused everyone to to run for cover. I mean, this really is like a Mr. Creosote situation. I'm sorry I keep bringing that up, but uh, you know, in in that episode or that sketch in uh, Meaning of Life, everyone runs and and ducks for cover, and that is kind of what's happening here. Uh, I'm picturing you know viscera flying willy nilly, you know, in all directions. It probably wasn't as cartoony as as we might be picturing it, but it's fun to tragic. do. It's yeah, fun to yeah, do. Yeah, this. Uh, let's stay with this family. Because unfortunately, there is a a descendant of William the Conqueror who also makes our list today. His name, King Henry I. Uh, he knew about uh, how his father passed, and uh, he had no idea that he would meet an equally ridiculous death. Uh, if you have any squeamishness about seafood, this this might not be the one for you. Yeah, for sure. I, I know definitely a lot of people do. Don't like the texture, don't like the smell, um, just doesn't do it for them. And, and again, huge credit where credit is most certainly due to Kalina Fraga for this article on allitisinteresting.com um, that, that, that outlines a lot of these uh, tragic, gory, and ridiculous uh, royal deaths. Uh, this one comes from that list as well. We're talking about King Henry I, who's the youngest son of William the Conqueror, um, who was painfully aware of the undignified circumstances of his pop's funeral. 
Mm, yeah, he uh, the race for the throne begins right as the patriarch passes away. Uh, Henry is doing some political maneuvering. Uh, another one of his brothers who could have been heir dies. And so Henry takes the throne in 1100 CE. He wants to revamp the royal justice system. He wants to build a, a nice abbey and he wants to ball out. He wants to live the high life. You know his idea of luxury? Lampreys. He eats lampreys. Look up a picture, folks, but this is why we warned you about uh, the squeamishness of seafood. There's the thing, though. He loves lampreys, but he's allergic to them. Every time he eats them, he gets sick. It reminds me of a, of a good friend of mine who, once upon a time, told me that he is both allergic to cheese and beef. And once a year, he dopes himself up and he eats a cheeseburger. And I've been with him when he ate a cheeseburger and it was uncomfortable how much he enjoyed it. That discomfort paled in comparison to the consequences. Sometimes we want what we know we shouldn't have. And this is the case with Henry and the lamprey. Henry and the lamprey. It sounds like a, par a parable. Or, or, a, or like, like a, a band out of the Pacific Northwest. You know, also, they open yeah. for the Decemberist. Uh, uh, dude, that's nailed it. Uh, lampreys, by the way, I mean, I'm sure most people are aware of this, are uh, a type of, you know, wriggly, slimy eel. Uh, and I think they were often consumed live, I think. Uh, it was certainly a medieval delicacy, and it's become something of like an old English kind of cliche. Like if you've ever seen The Mighty Boosh, there's a character played by Noel Fielding who's like this kind of cockney, you know, demon, green face kind of witchy warlock kind of fellow. And he's all about eels. He has a whole song about eels and uh, is conjuring these eels and, you know, eating them alive and all that stuff mm -hmm. and feeling them wriggle around in his, his, his guts and stuff. Uh, so it, it has become something of a you know, kind of a medieval uh, hallmark, you know, of, of of a disgusting delicacy, right? Yeah, and we want to thank the medieval historian Mark Morris. The doctors of the day had warned Henry I several times. They had said, hey, bud, these lampreys, man, they're not good for you. I know they taste great, but they're not great for you. Be gone with ye men of science. I am a man of luxury, and I, I know my body, and I will, I will consume these lampreys, come hell or high water. Mm -hmm. I am your king. Fetch me the eel. Yes. Uh, fetch me the lamprey pie. Uh, yeah, so we know that he went hunting in Normandy in 1135. He's done hunting, right? And he's had a long day. So he wants to kick up his feet and have a nosh on his favorite snack. And uh, it doesn't work out. We've got a great description from a chronicler around that time, Henry of Huntington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this guy was older, too. He was he was up there in age. Um, and this is described thusly uh, by Henry of Huntingdon. Um, quote, this meal brought on a most destructive humor uh, and violently stimulated similar symptoms, producing a deadly chill in his aged body and a sudden and extreme convulsion against this. Nature reacted, as it does, by stirring up an acute fever to dissolve the inflammation with very heavy sweating. Yeah, and 
he passes away and doesn't make it through uh, the, this reaction. This time, it's just it's too much for him. And doctors assigned a cause of death, which remains ridiculous today. Indeed. Um, and uh, R.I.P. To, to King Henry. R.I.P. to all of these folks that we're talking about today. Um, you know, we're obviously uh, approaching this with tongue firmly planted in cheek, but as you mentioned at the top of episode one, all deaths are a sad thing. So we're not meaning to uh, diminish the lives of these individuals by uh, dunking on their absurd deaths just a little bit. Yep, yep. A surfeit of lampreys. It's the official cause of death. For what is a surfeit? This is a, we, we, we should all learn a new word together today. Yes, a surfeit is uh, too much, an excessive amount. I see, I see. Which is weird because for some reason it sounds like it would be a dearth, right? Lack a, a lack of, but a surfeit is too much. It's just too much. It's the same cause of death as uh, our buddy Ad Adolf Frederick, right? right? He had a surfeit of everything. All the things, yeah. And, and, you know, and th that was just pushed right over the cliff by those delightful little creamy donut things. In and hot milk. milk. And yeah, raisins. Why? Don't forget the why? raisins. <laughs> that, that, that's the detail that really bugs me, you know? Yeah. And maybe you would have made it if it weren't. It was maybe the raisins that did it, guys. That's mm. my theory. Sort of like the wafer-thin uh, little disc, you know, in in uh, Mr. Mr. Creosote. Those raisins, man, they're bad news. Yeah. And uh, here's something that I think is instructive. This is a good one for us to end on here. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Let's imagine ourselves going east uh, of Europe, or you could take the long way around and just go completely west, you know, uh, and scenic route, scenic route. There we go. And you end up in the amazing Middle Kingdom, a great seat of civilization, ancient China. If you are anywhere in the world, an emperor or a king, a ruler of some sort, then eventually you run into the one thing you cannot buy, steal or conquer, and that is time. 
right? So your biggest flex ever is to become immortal. And our last story is about a guy named Qin Shi Huangdi. Again, we're not native speakers, uh, who died in 210 BCE because he wanted to live forever. He had not heard the warnings from Freddie Mercury. Was that, that was Queen, right? Who wants to live forever? I think so. Yeah. I'm not as familiar with that. Wasn't that from a movie or something? No, I don't think so. Never mind. Uh, I did get my kid uh, for an early Christmas present, uh, Queen's Greatest Hits on Vinyl, Target Edition. (laughs) Oh, good. uh, In limited colored vinyl. Uh, Thanks, Target. Um, (laughs) But yeah, man, love love the music of Queen. Uh, But indeed, we're talking about Qin Shi Hengdai, uh, 210 BCE of the Chen Dynasty. And he was the first emperor to rule over uh, a unified China. Because as we know, China, you know, prior to to this unification was sort of a collection of, you know, indep- sort of independent uh, kingdoms, I guess. How would you describe it? This is, I know this is really your wheelhouse. Oh, uh, yeah. So China is such an ancient place that as you get far enough back into the historical record, you see it becomes almost mythic, right? So this guy has a mythological status uh, because he brought all these other kind of, think of almost like nation states, brought them together the same way our boy unified Norway, right? But way, way before that, centuries, centuries before that. And everybody was trying to kill him. Basically, that's part of the story. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Not a popular thing, you know, when people are used to, again, for generations, you know, be independent. This idea, one person's unifier is another person's conqueror. And that is definitely how this was seen by the vast majority of, of, of these uh, independent, you know, kingdoms. Yeah, everybody likes the idea of an absolute monarchy, so long as they're the monarch, right? Correct. That's the cut. That's the that's the catch, you know? It's like flying cars. Flying cars are a terrible idea unless you're the only one with a flying car. Then it's great. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so. Exactly. So this guy had a bit of a death fetish. Yeah, because he had so many close calls. You can't trust anyone, right, if you're the emperor. And he became convinced that death was just around the corner. So he upped his security at an unprecedented level, and he tried everything to avoid dying. Okay, so maybe less of a fetish and more of a an aversion, a, a very obsessive preoccupation yeah. to avoiding death. Um, and, uh, you know, this can lead to a life not particularly well lived. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, he, uh, he has private roads. His security is super tight. No one can know his location. If you share his location without permission, you are put to death. He also starts saying, well, what if I get in front of this problem? I can't just keep building a fortress every time I want to go somewhere. Uh, What if I could find some kind of medicine, some sort of potion or elixir that would push me past the bounds of mortality? And he thought he found one. Yeah, this is a tale as old as time, isn't it? The search for immortality. You know, it's something we hear about now on our other show, talk about a lot on stuff they don't want you to know. The idea of life extension technology for the super, super rich. 
you know, we hear about royals and and uh, and and uh, wealthy types bathing in the blood of you know children or whatever mm-hmm. virgins, whatever it might be, uh, in order to extend their life or or make them appear uh, more youthful, etc. Youth and and mort- and immortality has been an obsession uh, as long as people have been alive and had access to kind of you know self awareness and uh, resources. Yeah, and this this story is really interesting. Uh, this guy, this emperor, uh, he falls prey to a lot of snake oil. He buys and finances a ton of elixirs that are absolute con jobs. They don't work, and the people selling them know they don't work, uh, and they just have to try to skip town and stay alive. Uh, so he even sends... Uh, he sends hundreds of people to a place called Shifu Island to search for a thousand-year-old magician who might be able to help him out. Uh, and he even burns a bunch of books in China, every, like almost everything except for alchemical works. And some historians have said that he was burning all the other sources of knowledge because he wanted the best and brightest focused on giving up, making his life potion a thing. Ben, do you think that there were folks that cracked this code throughout history? This idea of a thousand-year-old wizard or whatever. <laughs> we hear about people like Methuselah and, you know, you know, throughout biblical tales and all of this. Do you think this is there is anybody that figured out how to cheat death? Or does this all just become kind of an example of uh, talking a good game? And and um, and being able to kind of spin a yarn and, and convince people that you know what this stuff is all about. I want it to be true. You know, I'm Fox Mulder over here. I want to believe. Look, if you are thousands of years old, first off, thank you for tuning in to our show and being so generous with your time. Uh, secondly, reach out and touch space. You know, you don't have to uh, tell us your secrets, but we would love to interview you. Uh, you know, even if you think you're a thousand plus years old. Even if you can't prove it, let us know. It feels like it'd be a heck of a conversation, right? Uh, I I love the idea. What do you think, Noel? I, I'm, I'm a little skeptical, but I want to believe. I'm with you there. I would say I fall pretty squarely on the no probably way. not yeah, side, right. uh, as I think you do too. Yeah. But, you know, we're also fans of, of, of fantasy and science fiction and all of that stuff. So there is a, a kind of belief gene in, in us that, that, that causes us to be like, well, maybe, uh, but probably not. Well, yeah. you know, it's, you never ask a magician their age, you know, in polite society, right? Yeah, I th- I mean, think yeah, that's yeah. from an etiquette book somewhere, right? Lest they turn you into a toad. Yes, yes. So, look, this guy was alive so long ago, and he was so secretive at times that uh, his exact cause of death is unknown. But the generally agreed upon explanation is quite ridiculous. So he's searching for all these potions, right? Searching for these thousand-year-old magicians. Help me live forever. The one thing I could not conquer, time. Along the way, amid all this advice he's getting, someone tells him, hey, you know what's cool? Mercury. Yeah. I bet I bet if you drink mercury, you know, you'll you'll be great. That's, I mean, look at yeah. it. It's clearly a mystical element. Mm-hmm. Look at the way it rolls around, mm-hmm. beads up, and it looks like it's made of magic. It Just really does. guzzle that stuff, man. <laughs> so, Give it a guzz. Down so, the old <laughs> down the old throat chute. 
Yes, yes, which is the uh, medical term. So he either took pills containing mercury or he may have drank wine that was laced with honey and mercury and thought, well, we've cracked it. I'm going to live forever. I'm way less stressed now. Uh, But, you know, there's a reason you're not supposed to break open those old school thermometers. There's a reason that you don't see mercury sold uh, in in the toy aisles with GAC. There, yeah, I remember Gak. What about Floam? Oh, yeah, I forgot about Floam. That was sort of the successor to Gak. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always liked Gak because it came in those containers that sort of held a shape, you know, yeah. of like a splat. Mm-hmm. And then you just pull it out and it would inevitably get filthy and disgusting. But it looked so cool on the shelf. And then Floam was kind of the like beaded little, little, uh, what's yeah. it, like um, styrofoam, yeah. you know, held together with kind of glue. And now the kids are making uh, slime. You can make your own. God, what a, what a new lease on on life for the Elmer's company. They've essentially <laughs> right, just right. repackaged their glue um, as like slime making kits. Whoever came up with that idea in that pitch meeting, I hope they got a bonus, you know? Yeah. Or they may have just wanted a bonus in uh, glue byproducts, right? <laughs> they said, just pay me in GAC. And, and another, another example of a mercury bad um, is the, you know, we, we've said this before, of course, but the expression mad as a hatter because mercury uh, yes. used to be used to treat the felt in hats by um, hat makers and they were handling it a lot and it would, you know, not, it wasn't enough to kill them or poison them because they were just handling little bits of it enough that over time it would cause them to have some mental decline. Yeah. Mercurous nitrate uh, used to cure felt. Um, Yeah. It's, it's, it's strange because only, Decades after, do people begin to put together the long-term consequences of some of the things they've been messing with? Like, think about think about that fascinating theory regarding uh, lead in the environment and later spikes in crime intergenerationally. Look, the emperor doesn't know about all this at all. He just he wants to live forever. He thinks Mercury's cool. He's down in this stuff. He's popping these pills. He's living the high life. Uh, for a second, because he dies. Yeah, because yeah, he does. You, you can't yeah. drink mercury. You shouldn't. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a, it's a bad idea. He died relatively quickly. I mean, he really was just for about a minute. And uh, once again, <laughs> you know, um, this absurd death led to an unraveling of a lot of the progress that had been made. Because again, he was the first ruler of unified China, and we know there was a lot of uh, a lot of pushback against this. So while this was ultimately potentially a good thing that would cause some, you know, standardization and and could lead to some positive change for some of the the, the inhabitants of, of this part of the world, all of this stuff kind of, you know, with the, the stroke of a of a thermometer came undone and caused China to quickly fall into bloody civil war. Yes. Yep. Again, consequences, to quote that uh, Keen Peel sketch, <laughs> which uh, congratulations to the three people who remember that. But uh, this has been such a wild ride. Here we are at the end of the year. And as we said, uh, Max Knoll and yours truly, we're going to we're going to take a little time for some R&R for some weird, ridiculous research. We hope you get some time. Is that what R&R stands for? <laughs> there it is. Yes. Just so yeah. uh, we hope you get some time uh, to relax with your loved ones. Enjoy uh, the last of 2022. And uh, we'll see you very soon in 2023. Uh, Wow, another year. 
another year into it. Hey, you know, the stuff in this episode, I think is pretty uncontroversial, fun dinner table fodder. Maybe not the exploding fart guts one, but we have kind of the cliche of, you know, the holidays being a time of of great division when it comes to folks from different, you know, generations coming together who maybe don't see each other all the time and all of the divisive conversation topics that can come up over the old, you know, the uh, honey honey baked ham or the lamprey, yeah, exactly, the lamprey pie, which is definitely a thing that's still popular uh, in the States. Uh, But, you know, all of these things (laughs) and a lot of the stuff we talk about on the show, I think for the most part, we try to stay pretty politically neutral. Um, Arm yourself with this and mm-hmm. uh, and be be the change you want to see at the dinner table. Yeah, yeah. And you, it's also, uh, if you're looking for some reading, why not pick up the Stuff They Don't Want You to Know book, mm-hmm. uh, which Noel and our writer die, Mr. Matt Frederick, and I worked on with some excellent art. It's a coffee table gift. And uh, with that, big, big thanks to the one and only Mr. Max Williams. First of his name, we can say, right? You're the only Max Williams for us, bro. Oh, I am the first and the only. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there we go. Maximus William Williamson. That's, yes. That's, that's what I call it uh, when he's not around. And hey, when he's when he's around. I'm Nolius of the Nolus of people, I believe. Maybe something along those lines. Uh, but no, huge thanks to you, Max. Huge thanks to your brother and brother uh, in arms of the show, um, Alex Williams, who composed this theme. Um, all of our pals in the Ridiculous Universe. Uh, we've got Zaren and Elizabeth of the Ridiculous Crime Podcast. Check those folks out. Yeah, also tune in to uh, Ridiculous Romance, our peer podcast with our pals uh, Diana and Eli. Who else? We've also got Bill and Mark over at Ridiculous News. Uh, Plenty of delightful bits um, every week uh, from those fellas for you to check out as well. So we really do have ourselves a bit of an MCU kind of a situation. We call it the, uh, the RCU. It's not cinematic. RPU, the Ridiculous Podcast Universe. (laughs) There we go. There we go. Cut, print, love it. Happy holidays, folks. Uh, We'll see you on the next calendar. Yeah, we'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. Give your glucose alerts and readings from the G7. Do not match symptoms or expectations. Use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X. Visit TomboyX.com. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.